Amen. Lord, I pray this morning that our eyes truly would be upon your Son. We thank you again for your love, your grace, your mercy. You're such a great and an awesome God. Lord, we pray right now as we go to this time in your word, that you administer to every heart that is here. Give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us this morning. May it be the word of God, not the words of man. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Welcome to Calvary Santa Cruz. It's so good to have you here. If you're new here, I hope you feel welcome because we're, we're just one big family, amen? We got Jesus in common, we got everything in common. If you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand because you're going to need one. You're going to need one here. We do study the Bible, it's a good thing. Read the book, don't wait for the movie, right? Need to be in God's Word. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, continuing our verse-by-verse study through the New Testament. I want to encourage you, if you're not coming on Wednesday nights, pray about coming. We're going through the Old Testament. We'll be in Deuteronomy chapter 9 this coming Wednesday. As again, we continue to go verse by verse through the Old Testament on Wednesday night. Now this morning, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, but I am going to catch you up in case you haven't been here so you understand the context of where we are. The book of Corinthians is a letter written by Paul to the church in Corinth. Corinth was a city that was very godless. It was a city filled with idol worship, a city that was following after the philosophers of the day. It was a city that was filled with prostitution and sexual immorality. It was the sin city of the day. It was such a vile city that people would look at somebody who was immoral and call them a Corinthian. You're a Corinthian. That meant you were an immoral person. Well, Paul had planted a church there, and five years later, he had got word back that this church that he had planted, that had grown, that had blossomed, that was growing, had become more and more like the city. Instead of the church impacting the city, the city was impacting the church. The same thing is happening in the world today. Are we having an impact on the world or is the world having an impact on us? And that's something we should all examine our hearts and say, Lord, am I impacting the world or is the world impacting me? Am I having an impact on it that it's becoming more like Christ or am I becoming more like the world? And so Paul wrote this letter back and we don't have time to go verse by verse and, and talk about all the things he instructed them on, but he talked about sexual immorality, he talked about believers who are fighting with each other, division in the body of Christ. And finally when we get later to, to chapter 12, which is where we are now, well the first thing that we saw in this chapter was we saw him instructing the body of Christ in spiritual gifts. Because they had become divided over the, even the gifts that they had. People began to become arrogant because they had spiritual gifts and they were looking down on others who didn't have them. Now again, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And God alone should be glorified. And so we were talking about the division in the body and the division being over the spiritual gifts that people had. And we talked last week about why we come to church. And the reason that we come to church is not so we can score brownie points with God. Amen? I've been really bad this week. I should go to church. So then I got another one of those when I get to heaven. Amen? And often we think if I've been really bad, going to church is going to balance out the scale somehow. Or we go to church because, again, we think that maybe we'll meet some people there or because of some other reason other than realizing that we are a part of the body of Christ. It's important that we understand that the church is not an organization, it's an organism. We don't go to church, we are the church. The church is not a building, it's the body of believers, and we're all a part of it. And as God has saved us, and we've been born again in Christ, He's given us supernatural spiritual gifts, we'll talk about those today, and those gifts He's called us to use to minister to each other. He didn't save us to be pew potatoes, you've heard me say this, right? He didn't save us to be the biggest, fattest, 
best fed sheep in town who do nothing for the kingdom of God. Oh, I, oh, oh, feed, 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 uh, uh, right? Big fat sheep. And we get really, you know, we've got all this stuff and all this head knowledge, but nothing's happening in our hearts. The Dead Sea is dead because it's all inlet and no outlet. And we will be dead in our walk with the Lord if all we ever do is be fed, but we never minister to others. Because, again, it's an outpouring of that transformed life that we use the gifts that God has given us. So it is important that you're here. And when you aren't here, you miss out on the gifts that others have to minister to you, and the body misses out on the gifts that you have to minister to others. And we'll talk about that this morning. But I want to catch you up, and I'm going to just go through the first 11 verses that we looked at last week, that we as the church are the called out ones, and they were arrogant because of their gifts. And the first thing he talked about last week in the first 11 verses was the source of their gifts. And too often we think our gifts somehow have something to do with us. Salvation is a free gift. You didn't earn it. If you could earn it, it would be a paycheck, not a gift. Amen? It was a free gift. Jesus Christ paid the price. You didn't pay it. He paid it for you. Now you have to respond to that that gift of salvation. You have to say yes, Lord, to the death on the cross, but He is the one who paid the price. And the same is true of the spiritual gifts He's given you and I. We didn't earn them because we were really, really diligent. God gave them to us, but we are to respond in obedience to use those gifts that we might minister to others. So he told them he didn't want them to be ignorant, and he tells them, look guys, it's because of ignorance and because of arrogance that you've missed out completely on God's plan. And the same is true today, that too often we're ignorant of what the Bible says, but ignorance is no excuse. If you're driving down a road going 80 miles an hour and you didn't see the sign that said 45, he's not, oh, I didn't see, you didn't see the sign? No problem. Go ahead, right? Is that how it works? No, ignorance is not an excuse. And the same is true for us as believers. Being ignorant of God's word is not an excuse for us to walk in disobedience to it. I've had people say to me many times, you know, Pastor Dave, I'm not going to read the Bible because if I read the Bible, then I'm accountable for the stuff that's in the Bible, right? And I don't want to do that. I want to be able to live my life and not feel conviction. Well, conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. And if you've been born again, you will be convicted when you sin. And that's a good thing. Understanding that sin is not bad because it's forbidden. It's forbidden because it's bad. God forbids us to sin because He loves us and He wants to keep us from harm. And He's telling them, you guys are are walking in ignorance. And He told them, just remember that in your own abilities, you guys were walking around worshiping idols. You guys, when it was up to you, you were worshiping dead blocks of wood. Now, some of you know I just came back from India, and it just baffles my mind, you know, watching people, thousands of people with a 60-foot-tall monkey god, and everybody down on their face worshiping. And you think, dude, it's a block of wood. Are you out of, what's wrong? Hello, and you want to go shake them. But the reality is that that's exactly what was going on in Corinth. And he said, guys, you think you're arrogant. You're, you think that you've got it figured out. But a, apart from the grace of God, we'd all be worshiping dead idols. And so God has drawn us into a relationship with him. And he's telling them, look, you guys in and of yourselves are worshiping idols. Don't be arrogant. Because the reality is you guys are ignorant to the truth. And you know what? Ignorance often produces arrogance. I'm amazed at how many people will come and attack me about my faith, and then I ask them if they've read the Bible, and they say no. And I go, wait a minute. Have you ever read the Bible? Well, well, no. So you're an authority on something you've never read? Well, well uh, yeah. I, the Bible's filled with contradictions. Really? Name one. Well, I, just, I know they're in there somewhere, right? And you're like, well, can you give me one example? Well, uh, no, I've never really read the Bible. So the Bible's filled with contradictions, but you've never read it. Yeah. Ignorance produces arrogance very often. 
And that was what was going on in Corinth, is that they were ignorant of the truth, and they were walking around arrogant, saying, I've got more gifts than you do. I'm more spiritually blessed. God loves me more than you. I'm his favorite, because he gave me three gifts, and you got one, dude, so step off, right? And often, you know, we, we get this attitude that if God blesses us, somehow we're greater than somebody else, and the reality is that with the gifts comes responsibility to use them for God's glory, Amen. And so last week, he began to name some of the gifts, and he was instructing them and telling them, look, every gift that comes, comes from the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God. It's one fountain that pours out into all the different rivers, right? And all of us have gifts, but all of them come from the same God. So the gifts don't originate from our good works, they all originate from the Lord. And he alone should be glorified. And so he's telling them, guys, if you have a gift, it came from God, and you all have gifts, and they all came from God, and none of you should walk around arrogant about the gifts that you have. You should not be arrogant if you've been gifted by God to play the guitar and lead worship. You should not be arrogant if you've been gifted by God to teach the Bible. You should not be arrogant if you've been gifted by God in an administrative way or helps or whatever it might be. We should never be arrogant. Only God should be glorified. And so we see here that he's instructing them, and then he tells them, by the way, you all have gifts. In verse 7, he said, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. The manifestation of the Spirit is that we have gifts and we use them in a way that minister to others. Now, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of each of you when you were born again. Some of you are new, so I'll take a moment. The Holy Spirit is either with you, in you, or upon you. The Bible talks about this very clearly. With He's with the world. They call him their conscience. It's the reason they know right from wrong to any degree whatsoever. You take the Holy Spirit out, there is no right or wrong. So the Holy Spirit is with everybody, but at salvation, the Holy Spirit goes from being with you to being in you. Now, that's down payment on heaven. You belong to the Lord. You're one of his kids, and you've been adopted into his family, and now he leads you and guides you and directs you. So the Holy Spirit is in you. But the Bible also talks about the Holy Spirit being upon you. In Acts chapter 2, he said, You shall receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit has come, what? Upon you. And so the Holy Spirit is in every believer, and the manifestation of the Spirit is the gifts that we have. Whether it's boldness to witness, or a heart for the lost, or a burden to minister to the physical needs of others. And he said, you guys all have it. He was saying, you guys are divided because some of you think you have gifts, and some of you think you're special, more special than someone else in the eyes of God. But he loves you all, and he's gifted you all. I would tell you all the same thing this morning. If you're here today and you've been born again, God's given you gifts, and he wants you to use them for his glory. And you know what? It's a get to, not a have to. It's a get-to to to use the gifts, the thing that God has made you for. He named some of the gifts, and again, we don't have time to go into all of them, but he talked about the word of wisdom. That's a gift where God gives you supernatural wisdom about somebody's situation, not human wisdom, not wisdom you have because you took, you know, you have a master's degree in that, but wisdom that comes from God that speaks to a specific situation. You ever had somebody counsel with you and they say something, you go, man, that's the Lord right there. You know what I'm talking about? It's just God's word spoken through a person. It talks about words of knowledge, which is basically somebody knowing a situation about you without any, only, only supernaturally could he come to know it. I've had people come up and tell me things were going on in my life and nobody even knew it. It's the Lord using that gift to minister to me. He also talked about other gifts like faith. And again, faith is, is the willingness to step out when it doesn't make sense. He talked about the gifts of healing and miracles and prophecy. And all of those are gifts that require faith. And so we come this morning to chapter to verse 12. 
picking up where we left off last week. And so he shared with them the different gifts that they have. And now we're going to move on from looking at the source of the gifts, that they all come from the Spirit. And now we're going to look at the diversity of the gifts and how important it is that all of those gifts be used here at Calvary Chapel Santa Cruz and be used at whatever, if you're here visiting, whatever church you go to. By the way, it doesn't, ma- doesn't matter which church you go to. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, we're all family. Amen? And we're not competing with other churches in Santa Cruz. We're on the same team, right? We're rowing in the same direction. So if someone comes and he says, I go to this church, great, praise the Lord. If the Word of God's being taught there and you're growing there, then that's wonderful. If you feel called to be here, that's wonderful too. But we're all a part of the same body. And he tells them it's all from the same Spirit. We all have the same Lord. Now let's look at the diversity of gifts beginning in verse 12. So the source is the Holy Spirit. He's given all of us gifts. And again, he gives us those gifts so we might use them for his glory. And now we're going to look at the diversity of gifts. That while we're all uniquely called by God in different ways, we're all still one body. Look at verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all members of that body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Paul's exhorting them because, again, while they all have different gifts, they're all members of one body. And he's telling them, you guys need to quit being divided. There are many members in the body, but we all need each other, as we're going to see. You know what? My walk with God is incomplete without you. Now, some people struggle with that, and they think, well, I should, my own walk with God is independent of everybody else. Well, that's certainly true that I have an intimate relationship with the Lord that is independent of my relationship with you. But I also am called to have fellowship. And in fellowship, it's us coming together and all using the gifts we have to encourage and, and exhort one another. And so, if you don't use your gift in my life, then my walk suffers. And if I don't use my gift in your life, then your walk suffers. And that's why fellowship is so important. It's not just going to church again to score the brownie points with God, but realize that if you're called to be here and you're not here using your gifts, then everybody here suffers, as we're going to see as we continue on in the text. So many members, varying gifts, one body, and the same spirit. Look at verse 13. For for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So we've all been baptized into one body. He's not talking about literal baptism here. Earlier, you see Jesus talking about baptizing people with the Holy Spirit, right? That's Acts chapter 2. This is the Spirit baptizing us into salvation. Again, when you were born again, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. According to Ephesians chapter 1, the Holy Spirit is a down payment on heaven. You've heard me talk about this before. When I, when I married my wife, I gave her a ring. And that ring on her finger is a 24-hour day, 7-day-a-week remind reminder of my commitment to her. Our 20th anniversary is coming up here next month. And it's a constant reminder that I'm her, I'm her husband, I love her, and I'm committed to her for a lifetime. And when she sees it, it's a reminder to her, but also tells the world around her that she's spoken for and she's my wife. Well, the Holy Spirit is very much the same in the life of a believer. He's a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week reminder that we belong to the Lord, that we are a part of His bride, that we're ha-ha, heaven-bound, as DC Talk would say, Right? We're going to heaven, we're going to spend eternity with Almighty God, and it's also the Holy Spirit reflects to the world around us that we are spoken for because we don't live like the world. And he said, you guys are all, by one Spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, have all been made made to drink 
in one spirit. So even though they had different backgrounds, even though they had different economic status, and you need to understand something. During these days, this was the only place where people of different backgrounds and different economic status and different skin color could all come together and be welcomed was in the church. That's it. In those days, your status was everything. What caste you were from, you know, what, what economic background you had, how much money you had, whether you were a Jew or a Greek, whether you were slave or free, delineated who you could be near. And, and the, in the body of Christ, all those walls come down. Amen? When we have Jesus in common, we have everything in common. It doesn't matter if you're making $5 million a year or if you're making 5000 In God's eyes, man looks on the outward appearance and God looks on the heart. And he sees us for who we are in him. And none of the outward stuff is going to matter when we get to heaven. And you know what? It's so important that when we come to church on Sunday that we realize we're brothers and sisters in Christ and we've all been baptized by the same Spirit. We're all born again and we all have gifts that God has given us and we need each other. We need to reach out to to people when they come into this body and make them feel welcome and know again that we are all one in Christ. Look at verses 14 through 20. For in fact the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the, whole, if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Now, there's a temptation to desire a specific gift, and if we don't have it, then we feel less valuable to the kingdom of God somehow. If I'm not Billy Graham, then I'm just, I quit. I give up. If I, can't have, if I can't lead thousands to Christ, then I'm of no, valuable, no value to the body. And what he says here is, can you imagine if the foot said, I'm not a hand, so I quit. I wanted to be a hand. I get stuck in smelly shoes. Or I walk around in sandals all day in the dirt. The hand, everybody sees the hand. He's got rings on him. He's looking good, right? Manicures, right? Man, I got to be a foot. I'm down here in the smelly dirt all day. I quit. Now, can you imagine if your foot quit? It wouldn't be, you know, you'd be, right? It wouldn't be good. You'd be walking around like Fred Sanford, right? I mean, you wouldn't, wouldn't be able to get around very well. And the reality is that sometimes in the body of Christ, we think because we're not in a position that everybody can see, then we just want to give up. And what he's saying is the foot, you don't realize how important your foot is till you break it, right? Your foot, you just put your shoes on and get on. And you guys heard me, I broke my finger and I've had therapy this week. It's rough. My little finger that I never think about has been killing me all week. And, I, you know, I, go, I can't grab things because, you know, I busted it four months. I did the cast thing, and it, and it still doesn't work. And I never thought about that finger until I broke it. And the same is true here, that if those who have a certain gift just refuse to use their gift, just say, because I can't be in the limelight, because I can't be the hand, then I just quit. I'm just not going to come. You know, if that ever happens, you're going to show up one Sunday, and there's going to be no chairs set up. They'll be sitting on the floor because the foot didn't show up, right? You know, the person who said, you know, I'm not in the limelight. I don't, you know, nobody knows my name. I, you know, they didn't put my name in the bulletin or anything, man. I, I quit, right? And the foot, what if the foot said that? You know, I, you know I'm not a hand, so I'm not going to be a part of the body. And then it says in verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. All right, I'm going to quit hearing. That's it. I can't be an eye. You know, eyes in the front. I'm over on the side, Right? 
Nobody can see me over here. They grow hair over the top of me, right? They put stuff to make the eyes see better. They never do nothing for me, right? I have to get an earache before they even pay attention to me, right? And the reality is the ear could say, well, I'm not an eye, so I quit. I'm just not going to show up anymore. And you know what? If we couldn't hear, that'd be a problem. Amen? And the reality is, though, that we can make that same mistake in the body of Christ. If we look and view a certain gift and we say, if I don't have that gift, then I just want to be involved. But every gift is important. You need your ear as much as you need your eyes. You need your feet as much as you need your hand. And in the body of Christ, we're all called. And God wants to use you in a mighty and a powerful way. And this, he's just giving this illustration to get these guys to quit uh, elevating one gift over another, to realize how every one of them was so important in the eyes of God. Any gift that God has given you is needed by the body. When you're out of fellowship or you're not using your gift, the whole body suffers. Just as the eye needs the body to survive, so too the body needs the eye to function in its fullest way. Look, it says in verse 18, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Now we're going to see here in a moment that He's going to say, what if everybody had the same gift? What if everybody in the church just had the same gift, whatever it was? We could, all, we could all get up for worship and all pick up our guitars and just start playing to each other. Everybody get your guitar. All right. Who's going to teach? I don't know. Nobody's got that. Let's, let's sing some more, right? Nobody's got the gift. Well, we're all sitting on the floor because nobody has the gifts of helps to set up the chairs. And, you know, yeah, we were supposed to be on the radio, but nobody edited the programs because we were all playing our guitar all day and we just didn't have time to do it. And the reality is, it's so simplistic, but yet in the body of Christ, we have this thing where we think that certain gifts are more important than others. And certainly God, as we're going to see at the end of this chapter, there are specific things that should happen in the body of Christ that need to take precedence. But every gift is equally important because God needs, desires to use you in a mighty and a powerful way. When we try to do something we're not called to do, we leave what we're called to do undone. You know, in, the, in, the, in this church, some of you show up on Sunday at 10 o'clock and you have no idea how many hours people are here beforehand setting up the bookstore and setting up chairs and right, people making tapes so you can take them home, people editing the radio program, you know, people going down on the street during the week when you're at home and they're ministering to people down in the Pacific Garden Mall and you know, the women's study and the men's study and the youth studies and all those things that are going on in the body of Christ, it doesn't happen unless people who are called respond to God's calling on their life. And when somebody's called to do it, it's a joy, it's a get-to, it's never a have-to. Gifts that are need, needed in a body. We need the gift of helps. You know, the gift of helps is something that I believe, and we'll talk about this in a moment, I believe will be more rewarded in heaven than we think. It's that gift that sees a need and quietly goes and takes care of it. It's that gift that hears about somebody in our church having surgery, and they go over to their house and make meals for them, and put them in their fridge and clean their house and go home without anybody knowing it. It's that gift that sees that somebody in our body is hurting financially and goes and ministers to them. Somebody who goes and cares for someone else's children because they feel that there's a need for them to be able to go and spend time with their spouse. It's someone who just has that gift that nobody is going to say anything about it, but they're doing it as unto the Lord. The gift of prayer. The gift of, again, uh, having a burden for hospitality. You know, those are gifts. Opening up your home. That's a gift. It's a super, some of you have that gift. There's some people in this church that their house is open all the time. And we know we can call them and say, hey, you know what? We got this thing that was supposed to happen here. No problem. Bring 80 people over to my house this afternoon. That's fine. 
Now, some of you, if you don't have the gift of hospitality, don't be bringing them to my house, right? But if you have the gift of hospitality, you open up your doors and see all of those gifts are needed for the body to function in the way that the Lord wants it to. And again, we don't realize how much we need those gifts until they're no longer there. God has designed the body as it pleased Him. And we should neither be prideful of our position or shameful because of what God has called us to do. It is as high a calling to show up early and chalk the parking lot as it is to get up and teach the Bible. Because you know what? You're, you're being obedient to the gift God has given you. You don't choose your gift, God does. You know what's interesting to me? I've mo- almost every pastor I know of today that teaches the Bible started off setting up chairs and chalking parking lots. To me, that's, the, where, that's the, you know, where the rubber meets the road. Just a willingness to serve. How can I help? What can I do? And I'll tell you what, when I see that, you know what I see? I see Jesus. Because I see people's heart not worrying about people knowing what they're doing, but just saying, man, I want to help. I want to serve the Lord. And it just blesses my heart to see people have a heart to serve and honor God when they know they're not going to get any recognition. And he's telling these guys this, because again, in Corinth, they're walking around, some of them prideful, some of them bummed out because they don't have the gifts that this person has. And he's letting them all know, you're all important. All of them came from the Spirit, so you can't be arrogant. And you're all important, so don't be ignorant. And God desires to use all of you. Verse 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now how would that work out if the eye decided to go off on its own? You know what? I'm done with the body. I'm sick of you guys and I'm just tired of it. I'm going off on my own. I've never seen an eye rolling down the street by itself. And if I have, that's not good, right? I mean, the reality is that we look and we see these things, and they're preposterous when you look at it. Man, an eye rolling down the street, that's stupid. I mean, how dumb is that statement? But you know what? I can't tell you how many believers I meet that say, I just don't need the church anymore. You know, I've gotten to the point in my walk where the church is just a mess, and I'm just going to go off and do this on my own. You know, I'll have church in my house by myself, and, you know, I'll just read my Bible sometimes, and I'm going to go off and just go on my own, kind of start my own religion. I don't need all these people. It's all filled with hypocrites anyway, and, you know, the church, I don't need it. Ever heard that before? If you haven't, you're not listening, because people say it all the time. And I'm amazed, and the sad part is that there's obviously an arrogance that's there, and there's also an ignorance that is there, because they don't realize if they're not part of the body, first of all, they're missing out on the gifts that others have to minister to them, but they're also unable to use their gifts to minister to others. The Bible says, Forsake not the gathering of yourselves together, and all the more as the day approaches. Church, again, is not, we're not coming to the Elks Club on Sunday, amen? You know, we're not showing up for some organizational meeting. We're not, you know, just checking in and getting our name marked up. We're coming here because we're the body of Christ, and God's given us gifts, and we need to come and minister to each other. And we, you know what? And let me tell you this. I have yet to meet a person who is out of fellowship whose relationship with the Lord got better. Almost, in 15 plus years of ministry, I've met, I haven't met that person yet. They well, I'm going to go off and spend time alone with the Lord. Well, that's great, and you need to do that, and you need to have intimate fellowship with God one-on-one. We all need to do that. But I've yet to meet a person who says, I just don't need the body, and I don't need to be in fellowship, and somehow their relationship with God grows. It doesn't work that way. Because the Lord told you, forsake not the gathering of yourselves together. 
So it doesn't have to be this church, but it needs to be a church where you say, this is my church home, and I'm going to be plugged in here, and I'm going to start serving God here, and I'm going to be committed to being here, and I'm going to take my children there, that they might hear the truth of God's word, and this is going to be an active, important part of my life. My relationship with God and the calling He has in my life, I'm going to use it for His glory. And so it's foolishness for an eye. I mean, it's comedy, an eye walking down the street by itself. Well, that's not going to happen. It'll die in a second, right? It'll dry up and die. There'll be no eyelid to keep it moist, right? You're done, right? And so the same is true with us. If we go around trying to live on our own, apart from the body of Christ, we're going to dry up. You know, the analogy I've shared with you many times, you take hot coals, you put them all in a pile, and they all get hot, don't they? You take one coal out and set it off by itself, and what happens to it? It dies quickly. And the same is true for you and I. And can I tell you, the enemy wants you not to be in fellowship. He's going to give you 500 reasons not to show up at church. But the Niners are on. Now, that's not a problem anymore, right? And the Niners are on. I'm going to church for sure. I don't want to watch that disaster, right? I mean, but often, you know, we'd have these things that would distract us and take our eyes off of God. And there's always a reason not to be in fellowship. Can I encourage you guys especially as a spiritual leader in your home? You need to take the initiative to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? And you know what, babe, if you want to go do that, let's go do it on Saturday, but Sunday morning we're going to church. Why? Because we are the church, and we need to be in fellowship, and we need to let others minister to us, and we have gifts that we can minister to others, and our children need to be in Sunday school, and we're going to make God the priority in this house. I'm not doing that just to raise attendance at church on Sunday, okay? I'm sharing this with you because I believe that that's so clearly what the Word of God says. You know what's amazing? I can tell you who the most spiritually mature people are in our church just by how involved they want to be. They want to be here. They want to be involved. They want to help. They want to serve. They want to minister. Now, and they're not doing it for accolades. They're doing it because God's called them. And that's a sign of somebody growing spiritually, okay? And so he says, you know, if the eye says they can't make it, again, they were tempted to be prideful and superior and say they had no need of another. But very clearly in these illustrations, we see how foolish it is to think that we have no need of the rest of the body of Christ. Verse 22. No much rather, these members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Again, we think there's certain part of our, parts of our body that just aren't as important. I had a day on Thursday, let me tell you. Or Friday, Friday. I had a toothache for about three weeks. Well, finally my toothache said, that's it, you're done. You either go fix this or I'm going to kill you, right? I mean, oh, you know one of those kind of toothaches, you know what I'm talking about? and it's been hurting for weeks and I'm just a dumb guy who just I never go to the dentist all right all the hygienists are going to come and beat on me after I know I should go you're right I'm one of those it hurts I go to the dentist it hurt I went to the dentist so I go to the dentist and my finger I was supposed to go and have it manipulated where they kind of almost re-break it and they start you know and that's going to be painful so they tell you to take this pain pill in the morning so I take the pain pill I finally get into the dentist and now my tooth doesn't hurt because I'm on a pain pill for my finger so he's trying to figure out which tooth is the one that's messed up, and he's hitting him, and I'm like, I feel fine. <laughs> it's not good, though, because I know when that pill wears off, I'm going to be, oh, and then my finger's going to be, right, because they're going to be manipulating it, right? So he takes this hot, it was pretty cool, actually, it, it hurt, but he said, oh, I think I can figure out which one really is the problem. I said, really? He takes this hot, I don't know what it was, I mean, like a branding, I don't know what this thing was, right? And he sticks it on my tooth, and I jump four feet out of it, oh, there it is, that's the one. Time for a root canal. So, root canal, right? I get done with the root canal just in time to drive over to have them re-break my finger. 
So you know what? The whole body's important. <laughs> oh, right? Now, praise God, you know, my tooth doesn't hurt anymore after the root canal. That's good, right? Praise God. But I tell you what, the same is true. We think that there are lesser parts of our body that aren't important. Break your finger, have an abscessed tooth, and find out just how important they really are. And he's telling them the same. This part of the body that you don't think is, is significant, let it be harmed and see what it does to the rest of the body. Let it not be functioning the way that it's supposed to and see how the rest of the body is harmed. And he says there, again, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Verse 23, And those members of the body that we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and on unpresentable parts have greater modesty. You know what's interesting? Those that we think are less honor, he's saying we bestow with greater... You know what it is? Is where, where do we dress? Where do we put all our fancy clothes on? We put it on the part of our body that we think is less important. You know, we get all dressed up and right. We cover it up because we got a beer gut and we don't want anybody to know it, right? We, we cover up, you know, for you guys, a Coca-Cola gut because I know you ain't drinking no beer, right? But here's the thing. So you got a gut or what, and we, we dress up to try to make ourselves look really nice. And he says we make that part of our body look presentable. And we do that. But what's interesting is that the Lord, again, sees every part of who we are as not being unimportant to Him. Because let me ask you a question. Some of the parts we can't see are more important than the parts we can. You can see your face. You know, if if somebody hits me in the nose and I break my nose, I can survive. If my heart stops working, I'm done. Amen? If any of my internal organs that seem not to be so important on the outside stop working... I'm done. And the same is true for the body of Christ. If the people who pray for this church, when nobody knows they're praying, stop praying, it's going to impact the body of Christ. If those people who are doing things that nobody else sees stop doing what they're doing, then the entire body is going to be affected. Can I encourage you, if you're one of those, several of you come up tell me you pray for me throughout the week. Thank you. You pray for the body. Thank you. I'm praying for you. You pray for me. We should pray for each other. And so often we think that's a thankless calling, but I'll tell you what, I believe when we get to heaven, I truly believe at the front of the line, it's going to be some late, you know, it's going to be those people who are praying, you know, a couple hours a day for people and nobody ever knew it. It's going to be those people that were doing things in secret that nobody saw. They were just doing it for the Lord and, and for His glory alone. And praise God for those hidden parts in the body of Christ. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to the parts which lack it. So God will honor those very parts that we don't even see. You're not being honored by men, you will be honored by God. The Bible tells us those things which are done in secret, He will reward openly. And again, I believe that God's going to, when we get to heaven, we're going to see people that we didn't even know how involved they were in the body of Christ, and God is going to reward them greatly. So you be faithful to your calling. Don't worry if anybody ever notices. You're not doing it for men, you're doing it for God. Amen? And you do it for Him. And and you know what? He will honor you. And He's the only one that matters. Verse 25. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. There should be no division. And again, there should be no division where somebody's got a gift so they become prideful and there should be no division because somebody's gift is one that nobody sees and they become shameful we should not be divided in the body of christ over the gifts we have you know what can i tell you and this is just your pastor's personal testimony to you i am blown away that i get to do what i do i can't believe it but i'll tell you what else i have fear and trembling and awe and reverence for the calling that god has placed in my life 
Because the Bible tells me I will stand before God one day and be accountable for every word I ever teach you. I will be accountable for how I treat you. I'll be accountable for how much I pray for you. I'll be accountable for all those things. And there's fear and reverence. And you know what? Whatever your gift may be, we should all have that same heart. The Lord, thank you for the gift, but we ought to do it with fear and awe and reverence of God and do it for His glory alone, that He might be magnified and lifted up. Verse 26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You know another great thing about being a part of a body? When one part of the body hurts, the rest of the, party, rest of the body knows it and compensates for it. You know, when, 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 when my hand is, this hand is hurting, this hand pitches in, right? When somebody is hurting and weak, then the rest of the body rallies around them. The Bible tells us that we are to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And as one body, we serve not only ourselves, but the whole body. When the feet run, the, the heart gets stronger. When the heart pumps, it supplies blood to the whole body. And the same is true for us, that we are to come alongside and encourage one another. And when there is a part of a body that serves itself, it does happen. Sometimes there's a part of our body that serves itself. It contributes nothing to the rest of the body, and everything it can get a hold of, it feeds and grows itself. You know what it's called? Cancer. Cancer is the part, it gets into our body and feeds only itself and it grows and destroys everything around it. But the rest of us, the body, our body works together to keep itself running and the same should be true for us. As one body, we should share in each other's burdens and joys. You know what's neat? If somebody's going through a difficulty in the body of Christ, we ought to all rally around them and pray for them and encourage them and use the gifts of encouragement and the gift of, of helps and the gift of ministry and the gift of, of love that we have for them and love on them. And you know what? At the same time, when somebody is blessed, we can all rejoice together. And what happens is that as we come together with a burden, the burden is lessened. And as we come together over a blessing, the rejoicing is multiplied. And you know, in this past week, you know, I... We did a memorial service. And you know what? My heart was broken for the family, but we weep and we grieve, but we do not grieve as those without hope. And it's a blessing that when somebody loses a family member that we as a body of Christ come around them and love them and minister to them and hold up their hands and encourage them, amen? And at the same time, when somebody is blessed and somebody tells me that it's been trying for a long time to have a baby, that they're pregnant, then I rejoice as much as they do. I'm excited to hear what God is doing. And so that's how the body of Christ should be. As members of the same body, we, not only, we must cooperate with each other for the body to function properly. And again, when one hurts, we all hurt. And when one rejoices, we can all rejoice together. My prayer would be that you guys would be so close-knit to each other that when you're hurting, you know that there's a hundred people, the whole body, you can run to somebody and say, man, could you pray for me? Man, I'm going through a difficult time. Could you encourage me? Man, you know what? I really need your help right now. Or if we, if we just see someone hurting, that we jump up and go help them with, before they even ask. And we say, you know what? I know you're going through a difficult time right now. Let me help with your children. Let me help with the, the things going on in your house. Do you need help financially? Go over and mow somebody's lawn because the guy's going through a tough time. Just ministering to each other. That's what the body of Christ should be. And it should be the place that we can come and be encouraged when we go through difficulty. But I also would hope that when you're blessed by something and you have great news, that this would be the place that you would run to tell everybody. Guess what? Guess what God did? It's incredible. Remember my uncle we've been praying for? He gave his life to the Lord, and we can all rejoice together. Amen? 
You know what? I just met them. I just proposed to, to my fiance, and we're getting married. We should all rejoice together. Amen? And that's the body of Christ functioning and working together. We don't just come to church on Sunday, find our favorite spot, sit down, right? Church is over, run out to the parking lot as quick as you can before somebody says hi. Amen? And I will chase you out into the parking lot. Is that true or not? Word up? I mean, if you're new and you run out and I haven't met you, I will chase you out to the parking lot to say hi to you. Because I love you guys and I want to meet you, okay? And the reality is, as the body of Christ, we should be encouraging one another and sharing in each other's struggles and burdens and also rejoicing with each other during times of great blessing. Again, the people we should turn to. Verse 28. And God has appointed these in the church. So now he's going to name some more gifts and we're going to finish off with these. And remember, this is an incomplete list because if you want to look at all the gifts, you need to look at Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, and he'd also look at the beginning of this chapter and now here. And he's going to name some more gifts, and it's going to sound like I'm contradicting myself because he's going to say some of the gifts were first or of greater importance. Now, the person with the gift is not of greater importance, but there are certain things that are of greater importance in the body of Christ. And I want you to clearly see this. All right? He says there in verse 28, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and varieties of tongues. Now, what is the first gift that is mentioned? Apostle. What was an apostle? What was an apostle called to do? The apostles were those, it literally means sent one or an ambassador of Christ. So it was one that was sent out, and the apostles were the ones who in the early church went out and, and reached people with the gospel. And they founded churches, as Paul had in Corinth. Now, is it important that the church be established so that we can use our gifts? Does that take precedence? Of course it does. Because if the church isn't there, how can we use our gifts? So there are those who are called to go out and establish churches and plant them and be missionaries so that they can create, they, that God can use their gift to start that body where all the other gifts can be used. The second gift is prophecy and the third gift is teaching. Now prophecy is the foretelling or the foretelling of truth. Prophecy always agrees with God's word and most often it is simply the telling of God's word. And then teachers. So what are the first three gifts? What is the most significant thing that happens in the body of Christ? Well, in Acts 2.42, he tells them what the church should be. And it says they continued steadfastly in, and the first thing he says is, the apostles' doctrine, the word of God. So the first and primary thing that should be going on at church on Sunday is the word of God being taught without compromise. Now, does that mean that the other gifts are not important? Absolutely not. Does that mean the person who's teaching it is more called? No. What it means is that is a, a gift that takes precedence. You know what, guys? If we got together every week and we just sat around and, you know, had a sewing circle, right? Or we just got together and, you know, ate some food and went home. That's not church. Amen? Why? Because God's Word must be taught. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by Word of God. And so if we're not spending time in God's Word... We're the Elks Club, right? We're the Kiwanis, right? Whatever. We're not the church. So he's letting them know that the primary thing that must happen at church is the Word of God must be taught. And can I tell you, I'm grieved to the depths of my soul to see what's happening in the church today where the Word of God is getting less and less significance. We've got to have less and less of the Bible so people won't be bored with it. Man, you, can't, you teach for 45 minutes on a Sunday? Are you kidding? 
on purpose and people stay for that? I've had pastors tell me, I teach for about eight minutes. Sermonettes for Christianettes, right? I mean, if all I have is one bite a week, I'm not growing very much, amen? And you know, we're supposed to teach the whole counsel of God. If I teach for eight minutes a week, it's going to take me 8,000 years to get through the Bible. It's impossible. We sit through a two-hour movie, we can have be fed God's Word, amen? And so we see here that the Word of God needs to be emphasized, not seven keys to joy or five steps to financial freedom or three ways to overcome depression or how to be like... The Bible, amen? And repeatedly says, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in the breaking of bread, in fellowship and in prayer. That's the church. And too often today we want to take all that away because somebody might be offended. Hey, here's the reality. Most of you have been here along, you know this already, but you guys are sinners in need of a Savior, and so am I. Amen? I've had pastors tell me, you can't tell anybody they're a sinner, they won't come back to your church. I go, well, they are. They are. Well, yeah, but you can't tell them that. Well, you know what? If you don't see that you're a sinner, you'll never see a need for a Savior. Amen? It's sin that makes us realize I've missed the mark and I'm in desperate need of Jesus Christ. And so he says, in the church, the first thing that takes precedence is God's word being taught without compromise. Don't do, do it in love, never arrogantly, never self-righteously, never talking down to people. Don't stand in a box with a blowhorn and, and scream at people. You're all going to fry. That's real effective, right? Not, that's not good. As we're going to see next week, that if you don't have love, you're like a clanging cymbal. You can have every gift there is, but if you don't do it in love, it's worthless. Truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. That's why we speak the truth in love. Amen? But we do speak the truth. And we don't apologize for what the Bible says. It's God's love letter to you. He's given it to you that you might grow and understand Him and have an intimate relationship with Him. So not teaching it to you is the worst thing in the world that a pastor could ever do. But look at the next gifts there. After that, he says miracles and healings. And these are sign gifts. And I find it interesting that the Word of God is more significant than the sign gifts. But yet you will see people on TV today and they're having healing crusades and miracle crusades. And you know what? God heals people today. Amen? He heals people. And He is a God who does miracles. But you know what? The healing and the miracles are all to point to the fact that He, yes, He is God. To bring glory to His name to bring authenticity to His Word. And that's why we need Word of God crusades, amen? We need people to know the, the Savior. We need to understand God's Word because that, the, the miracles follow that. The healing follows that. We don't, you know, sadly, if you only come seeking a sign, Jesus said a wicked and perverse generation comes seeking a sign. Because every week they've got to have a bigger sign. What's next? Well, last week, man, the whole building got up and spun around. I can't wait to go back next week, right? And, you know, you know, and we got to find something newer and greater and bigger and better. And then guys start faking stuff because all the other stuff that's happened, we got to, you know, oh, they're not going to come back anymore. You know what? The Word of God is what will transform your life. The Bible says He elevates His Word even above His name. The sign gifts are important. They're still, if you need healing, if you're, you know, if you're sick, come forward. We will pray for you and God can heal you. But he will heal you according to his perfect will, and he will do what will bring him the greatest glory. Amen? Then after that, you'll notice he then speaks of the, the gifts of helps, helps and administration, the practical giving. Again, no less of a calling, no less of a gift, equally necessary for the body to function, but it, there is a greater emphasis on God's word than the other gifts. Again, there are churches that only do good works. 
They go down somewhere and they build a house and call it missions. Now, there's nothing wrong with building a house. We should do that. I've done it. I've, I've gone down with Baymont and we're helping building an orphanage. And that's wonderful. But if all we do is build it and leave, I think we've missed it. Because we build it so that we might share with them the love of God. Amen? We build it to minister to them practically, but we want to minister to them spiritually as well. If I go into somebody's house and I bring them enough food for a year, but I don't tell them that Jesus loves them, and he suffered and died, they might have eternal life. That's great that I gave them food, but I haven't given them the greatest gift of all, which is salvation, amen? I haven't shared with them the greatest thing that can transform their lives. It's more important to be fed with the Word of God than physical food. Lastly, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? In the Greek, the way this is written, it's an, it's, it's a question that is, is answered with no. Are all apostles? No. Do all have the gift of prophecy? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have the gift of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. You ever met anybody that tells you if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved? You ever heard that before? You notice it's the last gift listed in verse 28, and do you notice here, do all speak in tongues? And the answer is no. Now, is tongues a gift for today? Yes. Are all gifts still gifts for today? Yes. Tongues is a prayer language at home that God will give you to speak to Him. It could also be done in a believer's meeting where one person in order stands up, shares in an unknown language, and somebody else has an interpretation. It is never 500 people speaking in tongues at once. That's contrary to the Bible. Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion and tells us that in a corporate meeting, only one speaks at a time. Okay? Now, do all have the gift? No. Do all have all these gifts? No. So, I love this about the body because it tells us that no individual believer has all the gifts. Which means no individual believer can do it on, on his own. Which means we all need each other. Amen? That we need the Lord above all else, but He's called us to be the body of Christ that we might minister to each other's needs. And praise God that each believer has some gifts, but none of us have all of them. With no real thought about what you don't have, Simply serve God with what you do. Say, Lord, you know what? I know what you've given me a burden for and a calling to do, and I know what I love to do. I'm going to do that for you. And you know what? That'll be a blessing. And, you, and if you're part of this body and God's called you to bring here, it's amazing how this church just fits like this. It's amazing how God has brought people with every single gift. And man, do I love watching it. Because only God could do that. We didn't run an ad saying we need people with a gift of helps. Could somebody show up, you know? No, we didn't do that. We know we need some more people that can teach. We need some people that can... No, the Lord brings those people. And praise God that He does. Last verse. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. Now, didn't you just say, Pastor Dave, that we should just, whatever gift we have, we should be blessed by it? Yeah. It's not wrong to desire gifts. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3, this is a faithful saying, if a man desires a position of a bishop or pastor, he desires a good work. It's good to desire gifts, but it's not good to feel inferior if you don't have the gift that you want. Can I tell you right now, I am not gifted to be a worship leader. If I came up here and tried to lead worship, we wouldn't have to, we'd, get, we'd have a smaller room next week. Because you'd all run out of here like the place is on fire, right? It's not my gift. Now, I could sit around and go, man, it's just not right. Ken gets to be the I can't play the guitar, right? And I could just be bummed out. Now, that's wrong. I should say, you know what, Lord? I know what gifts you give me. Let me use those for your glory. 
And let me be blessed that you've called me, that you've saved me, that I'm your son, and you've given me gifts. And Lord, you've made me a part of this church that I can use those gifts because they're needed here. And you know what? You are needed here. The gifts that you have, God will use if you will simply say, yes, Lord, here I am, use me. And it will be a blessing to the entire body. So in closing, in closing, as the body of Christ, we're all indwelt by the same Spirit. We've been divinely brought together by God, and we are to use our gifts for the whole body. If I'm not here, the body misses out. And if others aren't here, I miss out. It's here that I'm fed and encouraged and strengthened in my walk. It's here that I come to enter into corporate worship. This sounds familiar. It's the same conclusion from last week. It's here that I am able to use my gifts to minister to others and others to use their gifts to minister to me. It's here where I'm comforted during times of trial and difficulty and grieving. It's here where my family rejoices with me in times of great blessing. It's been said that blood is thicker than water, but the Holy Spirit is thicker than blood. We've got Jesus in common. We've got everything in common. May you come to church not out of religious duty or to score brownie points with God, but may you come to be fed, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be challenged, to worship, to love, to give, and to use the spiritual gifts God has given you to bless others. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace. And we thank you that you saved us and you, still, you desire to use each and every person in this room. Father, I pray if there are people who are here who don't know what their gifts are, Lord, I pray you'd stir that up within them. Lord, I just thank you that in my own life, that so clearly that you give me a passion for what you've given me a gift for. Lord, that a burden is a spawning ground of a calling. And Lord, I just pray if people are here today and they don't know what their gifts are, that Lord, you give them the burden for the calling you have for their life. That they would start to see through the eyes of someone who has that gift and that they would respond in obedience to your calling. Lord, I pray also, Father, that we as a body would function in a healthy way. But Lord, that none of us would, would re reject the gift you've given us, and none of us would just walk away because we don't have the gift we really want. But Lord, I pray that we'd minister to each other's heart. Lord, I, I, I thank you for those in this body that have the gift of helps. I thank you for those in the body who have the gift of administration, those in the body who have the, the gift of giving, Lord. All the gifts are need, needed, Father. I just pray you'd help us as a body to function in a way that honors you, being led by the same Spirit, being filled with you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and close the worship song. Thank you.